Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. There's a sense of um, a pleasure to know that you've gotten to that place. The audience is bubbling. Something has been released in a way that scared the, the, the bejesus out of them. Our repeated visits to the horror picture were certain laws that happened to apply to all horror pictures. He doesn't tell you everything, but now you're getting a sense of where this conspiracy lies. The innocent must suffer. It's very much about sort of the ride, the scares. I never watched the film with that in mind. If there's a good scare and it's working, they'll shriek, they'll shriek their heads off it in unison. No one had seen anything like this. We came to realize there was a second law governing all horror pictures, and that was the guilty must be punished. But the people who needed to see it hadn't seen it yet. Just make it as bad for the characters as possible. The, the continuous sort of escalation of just getting worse and worse and worse. We found there was a third law and that is that you must taste blood to be a man. And he had no character. He was blank. He was simply evil. The fourth law exists, that the dead must walk. But we're still, uh, we're still testing that law in our research labs to see if it holds true in all cases. You could call him Mr. Halloween. We journey into the mind of a master of horror. Hello and welcome to another very spooky episode of the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I am joined by Dan. How you doing, Dan? <laughs> but I'm doing fine. How are you? Uh, other than it being very spooky here, because it is, as everyone knows, spooky season right now, I'm doing pretty good, uh, other than the spookiness of everything. So uh, I'm glad you're doing as well as you can be in this very trying time. Uh, but however, we are going to be talking about a spooky movie because it is the spooky season. Uh, but before we do that, I am going to ask you a question about movies in general. So my question is, what's your favorite scary movie, Sydney? Well, it's funny you should use that particular uh, the, use that particular uh, clip. I mean, I'm sure you know about this, but for everybody at home who's listening to this, all like five of you. Wow, I'm... I have at least 15 listeners. Oh, well, my mistake. Anyway. I'm not that other show all downhill. <laughs> a fair point. But yeah, I am not, a, I have not been a major fan of horror. Though, as of recently, I have got, gained a little bit of an appreciation for it. When I can feel the tension that the characters are feeling, I feel much more invested in the movie, I've realized. But that being said, I've not watched many horror films. And I have to say, I think my favorite one would be Scream, actually. The first one. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of funny that you mention that. So I've got a I've got a bunch of things down here. So I wasn't necessarily talking about horror movies, because I wanted to know, like, what's your favorite scary movie? Which is can be different from a horror film, right? Yeah, movies can scare you more than that. I, I would say, like, if it was the movie that scared me the most viscerally, probably that would be, like, Jurassic Park or Wreck 1 and 2. Or, I guess, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Ernest Scared Stupid. That movie is... 
Oh, yeah. Honestly no. terrifying. I, I'm going to change my answer. Ernest Scared Stupid is the scariest film I have ever seen well, in my life. That's not what I asked you. What's your favorite scary movie? Oh. Because Ernest Scared Still Stupid. Still Scream. Okay. Because Ernest Scared Stupid, I don't know that I could go back and watch now because it is mm-hmm. it legitimately terrifies me to a point beyond reason. <laughs> Come to think of it. Because that movie, like, I saw it when I was really young and boy howdy, the practical effects in that were crazy. It felt real. It felt like everything was happening to me in real life. And I, I it's just it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. But the, my favorite scary movie, which I've got a lot of horror films that I watch because I, I ended up why I'm doing a lot of this podcast in general, but especially the spooky season, is to catch up on a lot of movies that I miss that are traditionally the big names in horror movies, right? That's why I'm doing the whole dedication to the spooky season here. Um, And I'm doing a lot of, like, the big ones. But I kind of came into the whole horror scene of, like, you know, I started off with, like, 28 Days Later, and I watched a lot of, like, new school 2000s. I got really into the foreign scene. So I've seen a lot of foreign horror and that's kind of what I like. Would I say any of it really scares me other than really wreck, maybe Rex one and two, which were legitimately terrifying. I don't know that I could say that a lot of it scared me, but most of what I like to watch is unsettling, right? Or it leaves me feeling gut punched emotionally, right? That's what I like in a, in a horror film. Yeah. But in a scary movie, it's different because the scary movie is there. It's, it's about the scares and the roller coaster of the ride that you're on, not necessarily the emotional impact of it. You can have that in a movie. So I would have to say uh, along with that, I, I, I did also kind of want to say, I'm probably going to end up on scream on scream as well. One of the original sort of, I guess the eighties icons that I have seen, which I would say is probably one of the scariest for me is actually child's play. Oh yeah, yeah, no. Like like I remember only seeing like the first I don't know how far how far you have to get into to see the guy like uh gripping onto the puppet and uh the, like doing the voodoo stuff with it and transferring his soul into it. Oh, that's the first one. Yeah, that's the first one. I only saw that one and like I have a legitimate fear of puppets. So like that that part stayed in my mind. It's still in my mind. It lives there rent free. Yeah. Well, because I, I saw the whole, like, Child's Play... I've seen a lot of the Child's Play, but I kind of did it retroactively. Like, I saw, like, the newer ones, the comedy ones first. Yeah. And then went back and I watched the old ones. So I kind of see those as sort of a horror comedy, a lot like Scream. Because mm-hmm. Scream is, you know, it's 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 fun. You can enjoy it if you're not a horror fan, but it does have some good jump scare moments. Another one of that same era that I would say is probably one of my favorite, I guess, classic scary movies is I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. I Know What You Did Last Summer is just like, you know, it's hand hook, it's the hand hook car door. Uh, hand hook car door. Hand hook car door. Uh, but it's it's got that that killer, and also it helps that it's got Sarah Michelle Gellar in it. True. And Sarah Michelle Gellar is awesome. That movie is is what I would say is sort of the for me like the classic scary movie. It's Scream. It's I know what you did last summer. It's kind of like the popcorn flick of, like the '90s popcorn horror, right? Like the screams and stuff. Yeah. I would say the, another thing too is that I could probably put up there is probably the Thing. 
Ah, yeah, the thing. That's a that's a good one. Because the thing is just like it's a it's a timeless classic, it's especially um, Carpenter's version of it. Because I've seen both. I've seen the original one that he based it on, and then his, yeah. and his is far superior because it has the man, the myth, the legend himself, yeah. uh, Mister <laughs> Mr. Snake Plissken himself. And I guess if we were going for horror films, that I thinking back on it, that one might actually be my favorite because I have actually seen the thing, and it's. It, it's a great film. I love it. Yeah. So I, I would say, yeah, probably a couple of, like, as far as scary movies, though, yeah, I would say definitely I'm on board with you. I think Scream is just, it's fun, it's scary. It has its it has its moments where it scares you, it has its moments where you laugh, and yeah. it's just fun. Yeah, the original one in particular, because it gets a really good balance of the, uh, the of the actual like tension and horror, but also the, uh, the but also the laughs. I think I guess maybe controversial opinion. I think all of them are good, but in different ways. But I think as it's a true. whole, as a whole, sort of like if you look at all four of the screams uh, that Wes Craven did, I think you know obviously two and three are kind of silly. Yeah. They're more comedies than they are horrors. But the fourth one kind of brings it back and wraps it together. But they all stay this cohesive story. So if you watch all four, it's a very kind of cohesive story that's slightly absurd and silly. But at the same time, you can suspend disbelief enough that it's it's a really good overarching sort of story, I feel. You know, I, I like the fourth. I think the fourth one was... It wasn't as good as the first, but it was definitely... It had the same vibe and it had a lot of the same scares as the first one. I do like the fourth one as well. I just like the first one better myself. Oh yeah, I think the first one is better. Uh, but also, you can't you can't beat in. Uh, I believe it's what is that one? Uh, I think it's two. I think maybe it's three. I don't remember which one it happens. But the but the Jay and Silent Bob cameo. Yeah. Where it's like Connie fucking Chong. <laughs> like, I just I lose my crap every time. Yeah, that pretty good moment. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it, it's it's just so good. Where where it's just Jay and Silent Bob are there and they're hanging out in the studio. I'm like, yeah, this is not meant to be an extremely scary movie. Yeah, but it's good. But anyway, that's not the movie we're here to talk about. That's not the that's not the wrong we are here to write. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read you a synopsis for the movie that we are going to talk about. All right, on this very spooky of seasons, a lovable but eccentric goofball moves into a new neighborhood, but soon comes to into conflict with the overly strict homeowners association. Soon his unique style becomes a battle for his neighbors and the soul of the community. It's a nightmare on Elm street. I'm from 1984. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not how it goes, but who am I to judge? I've never seen the movie. I mean, I've never seen it either. It could be that it could literally just be a screwball comedy about a goofy off the wall guy who, who (laughs) moves into a strict HOA neighborhood and like wins his neighbors over slowly and against, and turns them against the HOA creating this nice little neighborhood of slightly eccentric, but still unique people instead of the, the vampire cookie cutter urbanites urban parasites that you would see in suburbia <laughs> it could be it could be but it's not the definitely not uh but speaking of again uh like we mentioned before screen this is Wes craven so this is this is his big first sort of like i guess series as it were i mean he had done other movies uh last house on the left um I'm trying to think. He also did a Swamp Thing movie, which I need to yeah, see was at some the, point. The Hills Have Eyes. Hills Have Eyes. That's the other one. Yeah. Which I've seen both of those. Only know that because uh, because the uh, trailer for the actual movie told me so. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. 
or something. Wes like Craven, that. director of The Hills Have Eyes. Yes, that's 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 probably what it is. Yeah, so I have never seen any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. H- have you? I don't think you have, because you're not a horror fan, right? I have not. I have seen, like, uh, the, like maybe some clips here and there. I watch a guy on YouTube by the name of Dead Meat, and he just does, like, uh, body counts of, uh, of like, uh, different horror films. Oh, yeah, the Kill I, Count guy? Yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kill yeah. Count. I've seen at least one of the uh, movies kind of through him. I haven't seen the first one, though. Yeah, so that's the one we're talking about here. And I, this is one where I feel like I should have gone back and watched this because I know that the, more so, because I have seen, again, and I've said this so many times during all of these spooky season episodes, this is one where I feel like I should have gone back and watched this a long time ago because I really do like Wes Craven. I really like the Scream movies. I've seen The Hills Have Eyes. I've seen Last House on the Left. You know, I do like him in general because, you know, the screen movies. And I feel like this is just one of those ones where it's like, it feels like it should be up my alley, but it really, I just missed it because it's it's thrown in there with all those other movies because I just don't like Friday the 13th, at least the first two because I've seen those and they are frankly kind of just generic slashers with, other than the twist at the end of one, it's not, they're not great. Yeah. Like they're, they're basic. They're really standard. Fair enough. Now, they may have been like the basic and standard, they may not have been basic and standard back then, but I've seen so many movies that have been basically versions of of it since then that it's like, whatever, I don't don't necessarily like it. But I guess without that, like what, I don't know, do you have any experience with, you said you didn't really have any with Nightmare on Elm Street because you've seen none of them, right? Yeah, pretty much. Other than like the Kill Count guy. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't even done that. I haven't even done the Kill Count for these. Yeah, so like the o- the only thing I know is that Freddy Krueger is a guy that kills you through dreams. That's yeah. all I know. That's that's basically what I know. And I guess in the later films, he gets slightly goofier. That that is true. Like the further you go, like the more you have to kind of like they kind of lean in on the crazy insanity of a guy trying to kill you through your dreams. And Which I feel like is is just honestly good, honest fun. Really, if 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 nothing else, it's true. Yeah, and then there was that one time he fought Jason Voorhees, which I've heard is not the greatest movie, but when they actually get to the fight, it's pretty good. Hmm. I feel like that one would be honestly really fun because I again like the like I have been led to believe the later you go in the Jason series in the Friday the Thirteenth series, Jason it's it's way better. So I'm assuming it's the way with this, but I I have more hope at least for this first nightmare on elm street than i do because it feels like it's more in that vein of like the child's plays of the world where it's kind of ridiculous i'm just hoping it doesn't because i know they're dealing with like a lot of kids i'm just hoping it doesn't go into the lost boys sort of side of things where it's like campy cheesy joel schumacher homoerotic (laughs) sting or not sting but whoever is keith keeper sutherland uh, I always keep, I always mix Kiefer Sutherland and Sting up, and I think it's 100% because of The Lost Boys. In that movie, he looks like Sting dresses on stage, I feel. You know what? That's a fair point. I've never seen Lost Boys, but I'll, uh, but I'll believe what you say. Yeah, so anyway, uh, I've got some trivia questions here for you, so we can kind of build off those. Question number one. Nightmare on Elm Street is Johnny Depp's debut film. Oh boy. For those that didn't know. Why was he cast in the role of Glenn? Was it A, his mother was friends with Wes Craven and it was a favor to her? Was it B, he was not cast 
initially, so he was rejected, but called up when the actor cast as Glenn got into a car wreck and broke both of his legs. Mm. Or was it C, Wes Craven's daughter thought he was just dreamy? The sad thing about this is all three of these sound like they could be plausible explanations. That's generally the point of a multiple choice question. (laughs) That is true, but like, uh, hmm. I'm going to say it's B. You're going to say it's B, the original actor got into a car wreck? Yeah, because that seems to be the way these things tend to go when people get uh, replaced. Well, you are incorrect. It was because Wes Craven's daughter thought Johnny Depp was just dreamy. (laughs) Damn it. I knew I should have picked C. I knew it. It's always C, dude. You always pick C. Um, well, because the other thing too was, you know, who else was like, there were a bunch of other people up for this, uh, too. Like, uh, I think at one point Nicolas Cage was actually up for the role. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, uh, uh, Tom Cruise was up for the role. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Really? Yeah. There were, there were a few other people too, but those are the two most notable ones where it was like, they were considered and then it landed on kind Johnny of Depp. pretty much unknown, like first role ever Johnny Depp. Well, you know what? Good for him. Good thing he looked so good when he was young. Yeah, I he still looks good to be fair, but He looks good for like for like a bunch of skin that's been tied too tight over a skeleton. True. That's he looks good for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, so this is Johnny Depp's first role. I I don't know how I feel about that cuz I always knew like he was in one of these like 80s horror films, but I didn't know which one. And until I started doing the trivia, I'm like, "Wait a minute." This is Johnny Depp's first movie, and then I looked at, and the, or like, this is Johnny Depp in this movie. This has to be his first movie. And then I looked at the trivia. Sure enough, it was. I'm interested to see, because he did after this, I'm, I think it was not too long after this, probably like 21 Jump Street, because he did that as well, where it was yeah. like, oh, yes, I'm a 20-something pretending to be a teenager. In this movie, he was a 20-something also pretending to be a teenager. I'm kind of curious yeah. to see how he does in this movie, where it's like not quite like that sort of like weird buddy cop comedy versus ah yes this is a horror film how does johnny depp do in a legitimate horror film is kind of like i i I don't know if he's going to be the protagonist or or like what i feel Uh, like he's i know that uh the chick in this is the main is like the final girl but i don't know what johnny depp's relationship to her or the rest of it is so he, he could end up being like a cadaver like halfway through the film i don't know yeah that's fair i don't know i don't know anyway that's just a Interesting food for thought there. So question number two. How many hours did it take for Robert England to go through makeup every day? Was it A, two hours, B, three hours, or C, four hours? Well, given the way that his face looks in in that uh, trailer, and the way that uh, prosthetics usually works, given how I've seen the Lord of the Rings, like, uh, background stuff, uh, I'm gonna go with, uh, four hours. You're gonna go four hours? Yes. You are wrong again. It is three hours. Damn it. Uh, but you, you are right to actually call out the whole, uh, Lord of the Rings thing, the featurettes, because, like, you know, I, as well as you, have watched countless times the special features on the lord of the rings extended dvds as any good fan would do Indeed. uh you have to at least watch all of them at least once if not twice or i'm going to judge you but <laughs> yes it, it prosthetics do take quite a long time i would say generally speaking 
because his were so i would have actually gone the opposite way because all of the prosthetics in lord of the rings were pretty subtle like ah ian mckellen has a big has a fake nose all of the hobbits have like ears and they've it's, got like the feet it's true but i was thinking more of the ones that are oh, like the urukai yeah like the urukai and the orcs like the ones that do take an extensive amount of thing because they have to like glue different strips of skin onto you and stuff like that 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 was where my mind went mm, so i, I guess i highballed it ah uh, you went that route okay i can see that because yeah the urukai they do take quite a while to do those but then again you're also not only are you putting i don't know this to be a fact but i wonder how subtle like uh freddy's were in this one or if it was just like ice this is just literally like a mask that we've glued onto your face and then we're basically like getting it right around your ears and crap and stuff so i i don't know and in your eyes so i i'm curious to see what it really looks like because i mean i've seen screenshots yeah, of it, it but honestly like it i it didn't look bad it doesn't look bad when it's uh do, when it's photographed and stuff but whether it'll look good in motion or not is another matter entirely. Yeah, who knows? We'll we'll see when we come up. So, so you're you're zero for two here. You're bombing this. Uh, but you do have Hell two yeah. more questions. Okay. So question number three: Robert England was not the first choice for Freddy. Mm-hmm. Who was? Was it A. Bill Paxton? Was it B. Jeff Goldblum? Or was it C. An assortment of stuntmen? <laughs> let's see well uh, 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 uh for the memes i think i'm gonna go with uh jeff jeff goldblum because that that that's chaos theory uh you're wrong you know what again this this is fine but i appreciate the commitment to the meme because man jeff goldblum as a horror villain antagonist <laughs> that would actually just be funny like i i am not a i'm not a jeff goldblum stan I think he serves a particular purpose, and I don't think he's a good actor. I think Jeff Goldblum is good at being Jeff Goldblum, yes. and when you when he's good as Jeff Goldblum in a film, it elevates the film because it's so absurd. I feel like he would be just this crazy weird villain in a movie. He really would be. He's more of a Bond villain than a like a horror movie slasher. It's true. But I would like to see him like, ah yes, I'm going around like killing women or i'm killing babysitters it's just yeah. like ah i'm wearing i'm jeff goldblum and i'm wearing a jeff goldblum mask yeah it's well, the jeff goldblum killer and it turns out it's jeff goldblum it's like <laughs> it's like uh, becoming john malkovich but it's a horror film oh wow uh so out of curiosity was it bill paxton or the no, no it was an assortment of stuntmen huh because originally wes craven had decided that he did not want to use any actors for the for the character of Freddy Krueger because Freddy Krueger was meant to originally be a completely silent killer like Michael Myers. Yeah, you know it, like I kind of get that cuz like if you if it's a killer that's going to be killing you in your dreams, it makes sense that he wouldn't necessarily have a personality. He would just be a thing. That Yeah. It, well, cuz apparently according to like like from what i know he just gets more ridiculous as time goes on and he's it's like a wise cracking dark humor guy like he's almost like deadpool except he can only attack you in your dreams 
from what I understand. To be fair, Deadpool probably can attack you in your dreams, too. That is true. Canonically, he probably can. Because not only does he have the power of Wolverine to heal extraordinarily fast, but he also has the power to break the fourth wall. That's, is, his, it, that's his actual in-canon comic yeah, power. But in fairness, he probably can only do it if he has the Freddy Krueger glove. No, it's... See, that's... It's only... <laughs> you could have done that at any time. Not at any time. Only when it was funny. I understood that reference. That's, I feel like Deadpool is could be Freddy Krueger, but only if he operated under the Roger Rabbit principle. Yeah, he can only do it when it's funny. That's comedy. That is comedy. But so, so I believe I'm zero for uh, zero for four at this point. Zero, zero for, three. for three at this point. Yeah. So it was an assortment of stuntmen because, again, like I said, Wes Craven decided he wanted to have it be a silent killer, and he's like, I just want stuntmen to do yeah. this. However, during the test filming and test shoots, it became it became very apparent that he actually needed actors <laughs> uh, because he also did some rewrites. He put in some lines here and there, and it was just sort of like, ah, yes. So at that point, it's like, well, now I actually need somebody to do the lines. Yep, so he, he did get Robert England uh, to do it. So which yeah. I think, honestly, like, I mean, Robert England as Freddy, even though I haven't seen it, like, I can visually recognize, like, I know the knived, the benived, like bejeweled or bedazzled, but it benived. Glove hand, the the sweater, the ugly, the ugly ass like Christmas sweater. It's kind of like it's it's brownish red and like a dark hunter green, like we like it's just this ugly sweater and then that hat and the pockmarked face. Like yeah, it's it's yeah. iconic, right? And I yes. think and I I've heard Robert England delivering voice lines as Freddie. <laughs> and it's like an iconic thing that I can think of. I've just never seen it in context at all. Indeed. So I'm I'm very which, excited about which that. Which will make yet, this interesting. It's a it's a odd it's a different way to go from the standard like ah oh, yes this could have been just another Michael Myers clone. Interesting. Indeed. So last question for you to at least redeem yourself. So question number four: Nightmare on Elm Street, or sorry, a Nightmare on Elm Street cost 1.8 million dollars to produce how long did it take for the film to make it back was it a it made it back an opening weekend b took two weeks to make it back or c took a month well hmm see i don't know but given the fact that they've made so many nightmare on elm street movies afterwards i'm going to tentatively say that it is a Made it back in a week. Mm. You didn't get the reverse ace because you're right. It was, it made it back in opening week. It made the whole 1.8 million back. And in fact, this is sort of the thing. So I don't know if you know, like, so New Line Cinema, right? Yeah, I know New Line Cinema. I've Who, seen some of their films. Yeah, some of their films that we mentioned before, The Lord of the Rings. Yes. Uh, so New Line Cinema is generally referred to as the house that Freddy built. Because this series actually saved New Line Cinema from bankruptcy. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think he did. Uh, the uh, Kill Count guy did mention that in the in the in the uh, thing because, like he he focuses a lot on practical effects as well, and I feel like a lot of New Line Cinema films do have those practical effects. Maybe not so much now, seeing as how we're in a basically all digital age, but. Yeah, well, I mean, that's actually the fun. The funny thing too is like, if it wasn't for 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, would we even have gotten a Lord of the Rings movie? Would any studio have taken a chance on it? Because it's like probably not. It's like who knows? You never know. Because like we could owe Freddy Krueger with the with the fact that Lord of the Rings just exists as a movie. Uh, but then we can also blame him that they made that third Hobbit movie. That is also true. So it's it's a it's a double edged sword. This, uh, it's a double edged knife glove. Mm, this is indeed a disturbing universe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting that that is that this movie was such a a cult classic hit immediately. Like not only is it a cult classic, but it it was legitimately a box office success too, which is kind of. Interesting. I feel like that doesn't happen very often, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it it actually does happen more often than I'm thinking. At least with these older films like this, because I mean, a lot of these movies were meant to really just be like, ah, this is a B movie. We're making a horror film. They're cheap. They're easy to make, uh, and I can get away with a whole bunch of crap in them and be fanciful, right? That's that's a lot of what the horror movies were at that time. Um, like Carpenter was doing, you know, all of that, especially like Craven too. It was all a lot of just, you know, um, even, uh, uh, Toby Hooper, they were doing like, ah, we're throwing crap at the wall and see what sticks. But I don't know how many of them were actually like that successful. Right. Well, I, I do know that a lot of cult films like never really actually like, but a lot of them don't find their audience until sometimes even after they've gotten out of the uh, out of the uh, movie theaters. So yeah. I guess the, as far as I am aware, this might be one of the rare successes, yeah. though it might be less rare than I think. It could be. I I don't know. That's, hmm. it's a it's an interesting conundrum. So I guess I guess with that. With all that trivia being done, what are your thoughts, I guess, generally speaking, on Nightmare on Elm Street, on something like this? What, where, what do you, th when you watch a movie like this, what, where does your, I guess, head go? What do you look for in a horror film? What do I look Especially for in one a that's, horror film? I guess, of this era. Well, seeing as how I've not actually watched, like, I've not actually watched, I think, any of them, with the exception of maybe, like... Uh, when did Nightmare on Elm Street come out? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was 1984. 1984. Like, I don't think I've actually watched any of the old classic ones, like, from that era. So, I don't really have many, like, aspersions as to what I'm looking for. As for what I'm looking for in a horror film, I really like feeling the same tension that the characters are. Like... Being in the situation with them, like, uh, figuring out, okay, here's where we are, what the hell are we going to do about it, sort of deal. You kind of like the whole, like, mystery sort of aspect of it. Like, you you, you want to be sort of one of the gang. Basically, yeah. Right? Okay. It's uh, Oh, so it's more of a perspective thing for you. So, like, it, like, you probably wouldn't really like Giallo's... Because Giallo's, like, Suspiria or, like, Cat of Nine Tails, stuff like that, Blood yeah. and Black Lace, those are all pretty much like, ah, this is kind of from a third-person view, but kind of also from the killer's perspective. So that's, because that's not really tension. It's not really yeah. building anything up. That's literally like, ah, there's a mystery, but you're not feeling the tension along with the characters. I would have to see some in order to get an actual feel on that. But that does not sound the most appealing to me, no. 
Yeah, I, I mean, a giallo is. I mean, it's a very unique genre. I mean, it's an it's yeah. Italian cinema. That, so yeah, that's that's the one that like uh, was basically the grandfather of the American slasher, right? Not really. It kind of developed, kind of maybe simultaneous, but it was somewhere between a slasher and a murder mystery movie. Hmm. As far as it goes for me, I. It depends on what I'm watching. Like these older horror films, like this, like the like the sort of, I guess the, the the classic ones that everyone cites. What I look for when I'm since I'm going back and watching these, I think the things that I'm looking for are just you know I want to, kind of suspend my disbelief because one I I, I watched developing my own tastes, newer movies. So a lot of times the cinematography everything feels dated, right? Yeah. I don't think that I am really going to be scared by any of these. And, and that's the, the hard part for me going back and watching these old films is that I think it hurts them that they are kind of dated and maybe like they don't feel like they're real. Like this is this is clearly taking me out of myself and putting me into another time, right? Yeah. And not that I can't suspend disbelief and feel like, oh, if I was in that situation, it would be like this. But it's harder for me because, one, it feels maybe more cheesy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel as real, whereas something that's, like, maybe, like, supernatural but hyper-realistic, kind of like um, the one that comes to mind is, like, a hereditary. Where that one really didn't scare me, but, like, that one's more so to unsettle me because it is, like, it's modern. It feels like it's real. It's very sleek. It looks like it could be, you know, it could be, you know, happening right out here right now where it's, like, ah, this movie's taking place in the 80s. Like, I don't need to worry about that unless I'm going to go back in time. <laughs> yeah, I need my enough. sunglasses because it's really bright in the past. Yes. It only gets brighter the further you go. I mean, look at all those old westerns. They film all their nighttime scenes in the day. That's true. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> the further back you go, the brighter it gets. I like that. But, yeah, so, like, I'm, I'm not going to put on my, like, my leather jacket and my, and my sunglasses and grab my shotgun and go back in time and, like, Give me your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. And but you've already got clothes. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm looking for, really. I, I think the most that I'm getting out of a lot of these films is that these are not as bad as I thought they would be based on my, based on my prejudices. But I don't think they're as good going back and watching them from my, from a at least a more modern perspective first time i feel like there's just such a big nostalgia factor for so many of these films because like and i guess i'll put it into perspective to a series i have seen right child's play yeah like i can go back and watch the first child's play it's kind of cheesy but it's also scary because i had seen it before at a earlier point in my life and i think that movie really especially like watching it now like it's a movie where the doll is trying to kill a kid i've got kids like it it actually and there's like the mom trying to save the kid it really actually kind of resonates with me because it's like oh if there was some evil doll that was inhabited by brad duriff i would also want to save my kid uh and shoot it in the heart a bunch of times yeah. and burn it Fair but point. um i can also look at um because you know and that's something that i can't necessarily watch all the time like it's good but it's you know it's got its place whereas something like the Bride of Chucky or The Seed of Chucky, where they start really getting to be comedies, those are like, okay, now this is a fun flick. This is not just, it has scares, it has gore, it has the whole, it, it has the essence of what you want from a child's play movie, but it also takes it and just leans into the absurdness and makes it like a black comedy and funny. Yeah. It's, 
it's really good because you know that i feel like is the way for me like that i can enjoy these older things where it's like ah i i think this is funny or i like child's play because whatever it, it feels like i don't know that, that's what it feels like to me is that i feel like when they're these movies are being too serious they're okay but they're not as good as everyone thinks they are because specifically of that nostalgia factor because they're not they're not necessarily being this funny thing that sort of transcends time of like humor it's like we're a snapshot in time and it's weird right i don't know does that make sense i'm rambling uh, it kind of makes sense kind of lost me a bit back there but i think you're doing good <laughs> wow wow thanks <laughs> thanks for being supportive i guess the other thing too is that uh, i guess i'll i'll say this here like um and I'll, I'll probably talk about it more in the halloween episode but like I haven't seen, and even though I really like Carpenter, I like the, I love the thing. Pretty much everything that I've seen Carpenter do, I've really liked. But I haven't seen the Halloween movies. I have seen what some people say, what they basically revile, which are the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. They hate yeah. them. Most people hate them that like the original Halloween movies. Yeah, I've heard stuff about that. I think it's more because of like uh, what they did with uh, what they did with uh, Michael Myers. Yeah, and I will say, without having the context of what Michael Myers was, he was a legitimately, in the Rob Zombie films, he was a murder machine, and it was honestly like, it was, it felt like a, a really terrifying modern slasher. Mm -hmm. I liked them. I thought they were good. And also because I like Rob Zombie's style. I just think he, I like the way he does movies. And also Malcolm McDowell was in those movies, and Malcolm McDowell's always good. Uh, I, I know, and Brad Dourif was in them too, speaking of Brad Dourif. Mm -hmm. Like, I liked them. Like, the cast was good, the direction was good, but I think the thing that a lot of people didn't get was that, like, oh, we're so butthurt about them changing up Michael Myers because he's not exactly like he was in the first one, and he, they're remaking it and tarnishing it. It's like, it's like dude, I, I get I get this. Like, I get that they're taking a property that you don't like and doing something else, but, like, yeah, maybe Rob Zombie shouldn't have done Halloween. Maybe he should have done something else and basically ripped off Halloween. But then again, it would have been it would have seemed even probably more derivative and would have been worse. Yeah. My point is, is that I think that when you don't put the glasses on of nostalgia, right? You don't put the rose-colored nostalgia glasses on. I think a lot of these movies fall short of where they probably were, the pantheon, these pedestals people put them up on. And I think that's a big part of our psyche as far as movies go. So when we see a movie when we're young, right? Like like we grew up with Star Wars and Indiana Jones, yeah. right? I really like Indiana Jones and there are very few action adventure movies that can really compare to them. Mm -hmm. And by the same token, as much as I have stopped kind of really caring about Star Wars, like like the, the first six Star Wars films, very nostalgic for me. I'll go back and watch them and I'll be like, you know what? I can enjoy this. Yeah. And are they as good as we think they are? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, if you got rose-tinted glasses on, the red flags just look like flags, right? It's yeah, exactly. It's, that's, that's honestly probably the best way to put it. So I'm kind of, I'm trying to divest myself of that for these movies. And I'm, I really have high hopes out of pretty much all of the movies that I'm watching for Spooky Season here. I have the highest hopes for Nightmare on Elm Street because I like Wes Craven. I love Scream. It's such a great series. And again, I think Wes Craven versus John Carpenter, I, I don't know. I probably like more Carpenter films like of a variety of his, but just the Scream series is so good. I can't help but really like Wes, Wes Craven. Mm -hmm. So I'm very 
optimistic about it, but I just don't have that frame of reference to be like, yes, I this is going to be good. So I, I don't know. What, what else do you have on horror movies uh, of that era? Wes Craven, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, anything else? What, what else you got for me? I mean, there's only one other thing that I think I've heard about this film, and that's that the practical effects in it are actually pretty spectacular. Like, I don't know what all they did in this movie, but I'm pretty sure there was a blood geyser at some point. So that's that's the thing that I don't know about at all. And I'm actually very happy that you've told me that because generally speaking, the more practical effects there are in a movie, the better it is. Yeah. That's why I, I tend to like sort of that, you know, I mean, for, for all that people say about Rob Zombie, like he basically just does practical effects in pretty much all of his movies. Like that's like, he'll have a, he'll have some digital touch up here and there that you can tell, but it's really mostly just, it's there. It's there. It's what you're, what you see is what you get. And that's again, what I really like about Carpenter's the thing, uh, yeah. and big trouble in little China, especially like, cause it was all there. It was all there. It was all real. It was all practical effects and they were great. And again, Craven in scream pretty much everything that was there. Now, again, they didn't really need a lot. It was, but it was, the kills, like, it felt real. Like, it was all there. Yeah. That makes me very happy to know that, like, you know, ah, this is this is going to be here. This is going to do it. So if, if, if all the ancillary things are fall into place, like, the practical effects are good, the kills are good, the story is at least somewhat manageable. It's not too cheesy. Like, it doesn't go the Lost Boys route of, of just being one big, long Joel Schumacher music video. Like, I, I think I'll like it. Hmm. I don't know. But I, again, I don't think it's, is it going to be the greatest horror movie I've ever seen? Probably not. I'm probably not going to be scared by it at all. I'm probably just going to be more impressed than anything, which is kind of one of those things. It's like, unfortunately, I'm very jaded <laughs> about horror films. Well, yeah. You, Especially uh, these older ones. It it makes sense. But I feel like I can at least at that point appreciate it as a film rather than, I oh, this is a horror flick. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I guess if you're ready, do you want to rate this? I'm pretty much ready myself, though. Like, this may sound bad to you folks, but I'm going to put this currently at a 2.5. Just go straight for the middle. Because I don't know if I'm going to like this or if I'm going to hate this, and I don't have much, uh, like, uh, frame of reference. Much frame of reference for it. So I'm just going to put it at a 2.5 and see where we go from there. 2.5 out of 5 Snake Pliskins for you. Indeed. I. I don't know where I want to put this because I, 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 I'm hopeful for it, right? But I think realistically, I'm just going to end up probably thinking like, this was okay, right? It's not going to blow my socks off. It's not going to be bad, but I think it's, it's just going to be like, that was solid. I might watch it again eventually, but I think what it'll probably do is it'll make me want to watch the later ones more than anything which is probably for the which is probably the best so i'll probably say i'm probably going to give it a uh a three out of five snake pliskins that's where i'll probably end up on it because i'll like it more than i'll hate it more than likely if i'm being real i kind of wanted to be sensational and be like i think i'm just gonna hate it and it's gonna be a 0.5 or i'm gonna love it it's gonna be a four and a half i don't realistically think i could say that about this i think it really is just gonna be a three so i don't know with with that said, do, do you have anything else? Not that I can think of, no. All right, well, without further ado, we will, on this very spooky of seasons, go and watch a very, hopefully, spooky movie, Nightmare on Elm, A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, and we'll see you on the other side. Yes.
the other side. <laughs> I just asked you to do one thing. Just stay awake and watch me. Just wake me up if it looked like I was having a bad dream. And what did you do? You fell asleep. This is God. Something like a razor was a weapon, but nothing was found at the scene. All day long I've been seeing that guy's weird face. Hearing those fingernails. There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. You'll feel better when you sleep. Just a dream, Mom. Everyone's got to dream, young lady. If you don't dream, you go. Fred Krueger can't come after you, Nancy. He's dead. Well, then I guess those people don't wake up to tell what happens. <laughs> We've never seen podcast. I'm your host of Mike, and I am here with Dan. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing pretty good on this very spooky of episodes for spooky season. Much spook, such wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just returned from watching the 1984 classic A Nightmare on Elm Street, directed by Wes Cravens, Mr. Wes Cravens himself. So uh, when we parted on the other side of the break before we watch this movie you rated this a tentative 2.5 of five snake pluskins and i rated this a tentative three what were your i guess initial impressions of a nightmare on elm street well i can see why this is uh, this is a classic and why new line cinema is in fact the house that freddie built yeah i get it now i think out of all so so far out of all of the movies that i've seen for spooky season right uh all of the previous episodes uh that i've done now i I think that this might actually be my favorite one so far that i've seen yeah and i think that one of the main reasons was because it was i think wes craven just hits a sweet spot for me of he does gore well he does practical effects well he does he he hikes the tension up in the stories very well uh, and, and honestly, like, I think that the only thing for me about this movie that I thought was potentially like, I didn't like was maybe the ending, but then again, it leaves it open enough for interpretation that like, oh, it's a dream within a dream or, oh no, Freddie was just pretending or it, it's, it, you could take this in any yeah. number of ways, it's right? It's true. But I think that this movie did a lot of things very well. It it created like a really good final girl. It it had a really good like even for like I guess like like it, at first you thought like oh no this is going to be the final girl and then they kill her and it's like oh no we're transitioning to this person. Mm-hmm. That was really well done. I liked yeah. how they trans went from uh, uh Tina to Nancy. Mm-hmm. I think it was Tina, right? It was Tina, yes. Yeah. I liked how they transitioned from Tina to Nancy and realistically Honestly, like, Johnny Depp's character was, was over time, much less sympathetic than uh, the other guy who was, at the beginning of the movie, pretty much a scumbag. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, I liked everything that it did, generally speaking. Again, it, it 
the practical effects for me in this movie were just so good and the like the lore was interesting it had a cohesive plot because you're thinking like why is this guy terrorizing them and over time like you get the sense of like all right the parents are divorced it did a good job of like why are they divorced you're asking all these questions up front about why are they divorced why is her mother like this sort of weird alcoholic what's going on with that and then it's revealed like oh here's the actual thing like yeah there's a reason why we were upset about yeah. this though i would like to point out one quick plot hole the fact that his hat said uh, fred krueger on it like that just seems weird to me well like i mean who's think... who's he thinking is gonna steal his fucking hat well i mean think about it though like maybe it's the other hollywood monster movies like property of fred krueger return it or die bitch well, dude i at least had underwear that had my name on it had my name written on it so like is it really that weird writing your name in a hat like dude what if it blows off i mean you know that's especially fair. since it's kind of a floppy hat like you get out there and it didn't have any drawstrings on it right yeah like no. dude what if it blows off and it's your favorite hat yeah you're gonna write your name in it that's kind of like a no-brainer that's that's less maybe less weird than writing your name on any other article of clothing uh i guess unless it is like i'm buying underwear in bulk for many sons and so or uh and so i need to write names on them so we don't cross contaminate or whatever you know that's fair i i, I think that that is probably the honestly as as far as like exposition goes in a movie that one like okay i can forgive that one because it's like yeah, I could see writing your name in a hat. It's true. That that is fair. Still, go, uh, still going to call it a plot hole, though. Mm. Just, uh, just to be a little bit uh, just contentious. Little, yes. I disagree with that one. I think that it is not a plot hole. Um, anyway, but what else? I, I like this movie just in general. And again, I, I think the practical effects were just like from the moment it kind of got going, where it was like where he was stretching out the ceiling mm -hmm. and then receded. That was honestly one of the coolest moments that I think I've ever seen like that. The bathtub scene. Yeah. Just like, and I think honestly, one of my favorite bits was really when she was in like, had that first dream in school. Right. And it's like, ah, oh, yes. Yeah. That, that entire daydream was amazing. That was, I think that was the moment that really just hooked me good. Cause that was so well done. Cause like, I, I think that, honestly, the, the part of it for me was that I, and I think in kind of going back over this movie, is that the whole movie starts out like, yes, by the, at the beginning of the movie, there's almost no dreams. There's like the one dream right at the beginning, and then for the most part, you're in reality. And yeah. then as you move through the movie, it's, it's very clear that the whole thing is transitioning into a weird dream state that they can't get out of. Yeah, like the longer she stays awake, the harder it gets to tell when you're in a dream and when you're not. And and honestly, it could, in theory, be you could have, you know, make the the assertion that, like, at a certain point, everything is a dream. Eh, fair enough. Like, uh, the... Because there, there is a very clear, and I think that's the thing, is that at the beginning, it's very clear what is and is not a dream, right? Yes. So, like, very beginning, like... The girl's being chased like there's a weird lamb at the beginning like that's meant to signify that like ah yes there's they're running away this is a weird thing this is a dream uh the school one right where yeah. she starts daydreaming like like that's clearly a dream because like there's not someone standing outside with a body bag but at the end she gets burned from the pipe and it's like oh now we're starting to distinguish 
we're, we're starting to blur the line. And then as you go on through the movie, every it gets harder to tell when someone is dreaming or not, when someone's yeah. actually asleep. It's true, though I will also say in it blurring the line, you also get an idea for the mechanics of how this is supposed to work. And Nancy is getting an idea of how it works too, because like she didn't burn her arm in real life, at least as far as she can tell. There were no radiators by her that could have potentially done that. She like uh, put her arm up against a bo- uh, against the boiler panel, and then when she woke up and uh, walked out of the school, she found her arm burned. Yeah, well, because yeah, she was clearly still in her seat. But I mean, that's the thing. Like this whole this whole dream state, right? And I guess they kind of have a throwaway line about like, oh yeah, was it like the Tibetans or like the somebody from like like a southeast island community i can't remember where it was but like johnny depp's character is like yeah, yeah. glenn is like oh yeah in their dreams you turn your back on them and you take the power away from them because otherwise you can't stop them okay cool that's the way to stop yeah. freddy except it's not except spoilers yeah, it's not yeah um <laughs> well you think it is yeah like it's a good enough setup where you think okay that's probably how she's going to beat it and then the, and then you go to the end of the movie and you, she beats it quote-unquote, that way. But then it turns out, no, Freddy still has all the power here, bitch. Yeah. Uh, which I, I liked. I think, again, yeah, that, that, that's the biggest thing for me was the, the, the transition of blurring the lines between dream and reality that I think upon, I guess, someone obviously could have problems with the ending of this movie being like, well, wait, this doesn't make any sense. Well, it kind of does if you assume that they're still in a dream. Yeah, because right? like, or... I figured that was the case because like the entire thing with... Because uh, like Freddy gets burned and then he goes up to uh, Nancy's mother's uh, bed, supposedly, and like starts laying on her and burns her and takes her to hell, supposedly. Well, because the, he's the only... Or she's the only adult that he kills, right? In the whole yeah. movie. Which is a little bit out of character. So it actually, when she comes back to life, that's when it's like, oh, she didn't. Act, he didn't actually kill her because he can't kill her. Yeah, you think her. that. And then you and see then you the friends, the, the friends Tina, all join up, and you're like, okay, no, this is still a dream. Plus, it also kind of ties back to her saying, like, I'm taking the power away from you. I want to see them again. It's like, okay, so she's she's clearly still in the dream. Yeah, so she can at least affect it in a certain way, right? It's it's essentially at this point it's a battle of the wills. Yes. Right? Where it's like, okay, she's learning how to use this power, and Freddy clearly is like the entity that rules this demiplane, but she knows the rules of it now because of all of her experiences with it. And so at the end, like, yes, they're like whatever plane of existence they're in, you know, if it's a dream, whatever it is, if it's another plane of reality, which I mean, realistically, I haven't seen the other ones. So this, they, I'm sure, I think that they actually get into this in the later ones where it's like dream warriors and stuff like that. Yeah, where that, they're like, oh yes, we do actually know how this works and we explain it and we can use this. They do. Yeah. But I, I but don't know about that. As it, stand, as it stands alone, I actually think it works perfectly well for what they're yeah, trying to because do. Because I think the lead up to it was such that, yes, this movie, it was a very well done film. Like, And again, it wasn't like, you know, as crazier and as insane as like, you know, Wes Craven's other movies like, uh, you know, The Hills Have Eyes or Last House on the Left, which those were more like... Those weren't really, really supernatural killers. Those were, I mean, you could make a debate, I guess, that the Hills Have Eyes people were crazy, weird mutants. They were ultra-natural, not supernatural, because they were radiated mutants. Yeah. But, realistically, 
you like his his movies and again this was less silly than i thought it was going to be right there was well, less yeah. comedy in it which again as i guess as you go on there's more humor in it just like in the scream series which we'd mentioned before like the first movie straight up horror film with some fun moments and then as you go on like the second and third one are all like they get progressively more comedies right like two basically more of a comedy three almost pure comedy and then with good jump scares and then the fourth one is like all right we're wrapping it up we're tying it in a nice neat little bow uh making it horror again yeah uh, and 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 i guess they're making a fifth one now which i don't know what i feel about well, actually, I think there was like also Wes Craven's. Uh, new, uh, there's also Wes Craven's new nightmare. Well, I'm which... talking about Scream. Oh, right. Fair enough. Well, but yes, I'm. I'm. I was bringing it back to Nightmare uh, because there were a lot of other Nightmare films, right? That he made. Obviously, there. Was yeah, like, it's true. I, I don't know which all of which ones he directed. He might have directed every single one of them. Well, he definitely did one called The New Nightmare, where they go meta. He almost takes like a uh, Freddy Krueger in the fr- uh, on the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and almost turns it into the Scream like kind of formula where they're kind of taking meta pot shots at all this. Yeah, which I mean, I I feel like I would like honestly. I like this movie as a horror film because it did have tension. It did have honestly characters that were like, oh, this is pretty good. Uh, honestly, the only character that I like, and I think that it was intentional. The character that you didn't like the most was probably the mom and the dad. Well, yeah, Which I think that was intentional because one, this wouldn't have been happening if it wasn't for at least the mom, uh, and the dad was kind of a dismissive asshole. I mean, he's a cop. What are you gonna do? Yeah, that's true. You, yeah, uh, yeah. What are you gonna do? Like, plus, uh, plus, like, at least one of the kids that got killed on his watch was uh, the, was hung to death, though. Much like Jeffrey Epstein, he did not kill himself. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. He did not. And that's also something that I really like, too. Like, the first couple of murders that happen in this movie are actually, like, it's easy to just chalk them up to somebody doing something heinous. Like, the first kill with Tina, where she, like, gets ripped apart. The only supernatural account you have of that is the guy who they think killed her, because it looked like she got cut up with a, stri- with a straight razor now, several times. Now, to, to be fair, though, that one was maybe a little bit more crazy than... It's like, true, because there was blood on the ceiling. There was a lot of blood everywhere where there probably shouldn't be blood, and they couldn't quite figure out how... But yes, there were mundane explanations for it, right? Yeah, it's like... The the one where he, like, hangs himself in the jail. Yeah, like, that one was just a... Like, it's almost like Freddy Krueger planned that one specifically to, like, almost take the heat off of himself. Like, because it makes it look like, oh, yeah, he killed himself because he couldn't live with the fact that he killed his girlfriend. Yeah, it it, it makes perfect sense. Now, by the time they get to Glenn, though... Blood geyser. Yeah, the I did like the dude. The blood geyser was great. Yeah, you want to know how they actually did that? How they actually what they actually did was they built the entire room upside down and poured blood from the bed onto the ceiling. I was actually gonna if you if you'd have let me guess, I probably would have done that. I know I didn't see that in the trivia when we did it in the first half, and I didn't necessarily want to go into spoilery trivia, so that's why you didn't see that there in the first half. But man, that's. That's phenomenal. I kind of assumed yeah. it was something like that. Honestly, it, Miss, I think Mr. Depp got the best uh, got the best death in that film. Yeah, yeah, Johnny Depp definitely did get the best death in that film. Well, I mean, there were only what one, two, three. I guess technically four deaths in the movie. Yeah, 
because uh, it was it was um, Tina and then a dude whose name I don't remember, the biker dude. Mi- Mr. Mi- uh, Mr. Uh, Michael Jackson ripoff. Uh, yeah, and then there was um, Glenn. Tina's, Glenn and then Tina's mom, or not Tina, Nancy's mom, who m- kind of maybe died. It, yeah, that one's... She's kind uh, of dragged away. Yes. It is, uh, it, instructions unclear, resend. Though I guess we'll just have to watch the, the we'll just have to watch Nightmare on Elm Street 2 to find out what the happened I mean, there. honestly, like, yeah, that's the thing that this made me want to do more. And, and I think that the comparison that I had to, I guess maybe, and I'm, I'm hope I'm wondering if it's going to be like that. So this reminds me an awful lot of Child's Play, the first one, where it was yeah. like, it had moments where it was kind of funny. It had a good tense scares. Now, this one I think was actually maybe, maybe scarier than Child's Play. Because Child's Play, I don't know, I could go back and forth on it. I, I think like, I would rank this at least up there with Child's Play as like, it's one of the very few sort of like 80s Pantheon movies that I've seen. Yeah. And this one, it, it hits those elements of it's got whimsy, it's got good practical effects, it's got, you know, good, pretty honestly, for the most part, good acting from everybody involved. Uh, it's got good scares and like honestly there's so many parallels too between that and child's play because you've got like the asshole cop who doesn't believe and like he's hassling people yeah uh you've got the you know like concerned sort of i guess kind of technically final girl because you've got the the mother and then you've got the other person who they're trying to keep safe it felt very much like yes they were they were kind of making poking fun a little bit like both of them had great scary moments that were like yes these are good jump scares these are good tense bits where it's like all right when is when's chucky gonna jump out when is freddie gonna jump out because you weren't 100 percent certain where they were gonna be and i think that is yeah. the thing that i would most liken this movie to to another movie of the era that i have seen is like this feels like child's play uh but with the added bonus of yes Wes craven is directing this and i think honestly uh, i don't remember who directed child's play the first one but i think that realistically if Wes craven had directed child's play i actually might like child's play more however i think Wes craven is honestly a he is a master of horror he is one of the ogs up there with again and you can find uh coming out on halloween i will have an episode on halloween john carpenter's halloween one and two as much as i like john carpenter i haven't seen those movies but honestly i really do like everything john carpenter has done that i've seen like the thing one of the best horror films ever made um speaking of halloween by the way i do want to take a moment to like point out the music in this is really great i really like the music in this the music does thump in in nightmare on elm street now like it's not uh it's not an iconic classic like the halloween theme itself you, you, uh, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You've oh, heard, yeah, yeah, like, like uh, yeah, the Halloween theme or, um, even <laughs> the Exorcist theme. But yeah, like, but like, uh, the theme that they have playing throughout most of the film is, it's basically just one theme with, uh, variations. It's all like, a techno, uh, like 80s techno synth, uh, I'm sure like you very have... discordant stuff, like, cause they've got like yeah. very like distorted things happening yeah. in there in the music. I like But it. they also have the like, uh, creepy piano playing the do-do-do-do. I really, really like the music, uh, the soundtrack to this movie. 
But, yeah, I, well, I, I was actually going to ask you about that because I know you're a big soundtrack person. You go out and you're one of those people who go out and buy like soundtracks for movies. So It is true, I do. Uh, I'm not that way. I This this reminded me a fair amount of, it was it didn't have like an iconic theme, like you said. It didn't necessarily have as iconic of a theme as like Halloween or The Exorcist. But like it was very consistent throughout so that it always felt like, like a, Freddy's here somewhere. Yeah, because he's almost, in every because he might as well be in everybody's head because he's a dream killer. I I kind of want to go back and watch it now, almost with that in mind to see like, all right, were there any like sound cues that I missed where it was like is uh, yeah. you know like in M. Night Shyamalan's? Uh, well, the piano plays more when it wants you to get that creeping sort of suspicious feeling. Yeah, like either Nancy's figuring out something about the dream or she's in the dream and she's walking around. But I almost feel like there was a bit more like synth. Like, like that kind of like the, that kind of discordant kind of feeling when you were in the dream, but see that's what I want to know is like is that actually did, like it, a, it, a tell for the movie right? It might be. I'd have to watch it again, and honestly, I would. Yeah, which I, I is, would watch which this. is more than I would say for other horror films, even. Yeah, I would watch this one again. Which is yeah, again, I think of the ones that I've seen so far of this list of of movies that I've watched, like this is probably the one that I would like. Like, you know, Poltergeist, The Exorcist, I don't know that I'd watch those again, but this one, you know, definitely I think, I think I probably would watch this one again, uh, for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, and to kind of, I guess, put a, another point on that to, before we move on from the soundtrack, like, it reminded me a lot of, maybe in a slightly more in-your-face way, but uh, have you seen It Follows? I have not, though I have heard many good things about it. Yeah, the soundtrack is done by a, a guy called Disasterpiece. I don't know if you've heard of Disasterpiece. He does some I'm, video game. I've definitely heard his work in Payday 2. Okay, yeah. If there's anything else that he's done that I've heard, I cannot remember. I think he did like another, like a couple, like other, like 8-bit style, like like side-scroller games, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, he, he does some good work. Yeah, uh, that was a, it reminded me a lot of that soundtrack from It Follows, which It Follows is just It thumps hard when it goes like otherwise it's like it's very creepy synth wave like a little bit discordant here and there but when it goes it goes hard um but it didn't necessarily have that iconic feel right it didn't have yeah. those iconic moments like halloween or exorcist did but it definitely had like all right this is thumping yeah you you get the feel right yeah. there were there things you didn't like about it i mean honestly the biggest complaints i have was with a couple of the uh, was with a couple of the special effects notably his, like freddy's uh, stretch arms scene which i mean i get why it's there it's there to to signify this is in a dream this is weird this is uh, the like uh, this is unnatural yeah which i think also lent later on in the movie like we mentioned before where he wasn't doing that and you were blurring reality and dreams it's true but, at, like, at the same time, like, I don't know. Just something about it looked goofy to me, and I... That one did look a little goofy. However, I did like it because, like, at, like right after that, he did the thing where it's like, ah, oh, yes, I'm jumping out from behind the tree sort of thing. I'm chasing you. Yeah, like, it, it, just to give you even more of that feel of, like, oh, yeah, you're in a dream. I can be anywhere I want because you can't escape from me. Yeah, which, I mean, to, at a certain To quote point, Scary like, Terry... You can run, but you can't hide, bitch. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Well, I guess that, I mean, because obviously there are rules. There are more rules than we know about in this movie. So clearly he has some sort of, in this demence that he exists in, he has rules that he has to abide by, but he can 
you know, appear, uh, you know, not at any time, only when it was funny. I, yeah, exactly. Does he, does he I think we, did we mention that in the first half? He's got the Roger Rabbit factor. Yeah, I think we did, although it was in reference to Deadpool at the time. Yeah, no, I, I think that honestly, yeah, um, Freddy has the, the Roger Rabbit factor, uh, where it's like, you could have done that at any time, not at any time, only when it was funny. That's Or only when it was scary. Or only, yeah, in this case, probably more so in this movie, only when it was scary. That's the, that's the rules of this. Yes, yeah. um, them's to breaks, folks. I, I definitely, man, it was, it, it, it as it always is, the, the setup in this type of movie is probably the hardest for me. Yeah. Because, man, sort of the cringy high school stuff was just like, oh, I don't want to see these, like, 20-somethings play high schoolers and be awkward about it. I just didn't like it. But as far as other movies go, like, this one was probably more mild than some. And so, Yeah, like, the, they don't stay acting like teenagers for long. Like, the worst of it is probably when they go over to Tina's house and, you know, she starts banging. Yeah. That's, a, that's probably the worst of it. And then you have the high school, the actual high school scene, which is over in, like, uh, the over in, like, a minute or so, I think. That was actually great because I really liked the sort of like, transition from like yes he, he, they're talking they're doing the height the the Shakespeare stuff and then they and then she's dreaming and the the guy's still reading the Shakespeare talking, yeah. but it's uh, got a different sort of cadence and also, to it. No one in that after that point when he like when she falls asleep if you'll notice, um, no one actually moves of the other students. They all actually are like completely stock still. Oh, if wow. you didn't notice that. I did not notice Cause, that. Cause like they, they kind of do a I'll... cut and then you see them like, Oh, no one actually, it's a dream because no one is actually moving I'll, at all. I'll, I'll watch for that next time I watch this. Cause uh, wow. that was, that was really good. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, I noticed it. Well, cause I had yeah. to stop this movie and then go back. So I went back a little bit further, like, and I stopped it right there at that sequence. And yeah. so I went back to the beginning of it. I'm like, Oh, I didn't notice that the first time. So I actually only got, I noticed it only because I went back because I had to stop the movie. Yeah, uh, And then fair started enough. again. I guess other or, than... Or started over again, yeah. I should say. But other than uh, Stretch Arm Freddy, like, the only one that I really can complain about is the very last one, which is when he pulls the mother through the door. When, he, when he's got Nancy's blow-up mother and pulls her through that the door That one was uh, a bit window. cheesy, but honestly, like, it was a... It was a good sort of final scare. I... I don't know, like this. The only this other one's problem... a nitpick. I'll admit, yeah, that was but a... I uh, but I still didn't like it because yeah. I saw because uh, I saw the inflatable leg. Yeah, yeah. The the thing that I will say that that kind of hurt this one a little bit was that it did feel, and this is I guess the problem that I that I personally have with it is it did feel dated, right? Like yeah. That's the thing that really kept this from being, I think, really scary. Because there were good jump scares, but I'm like, yeah, I, I know the tropes. I've seen Scream. I know what we're supposed to be looking for. So nothing really scared me in it. But I think that the jump scares were clever and good enough that I'm like, this is fun. Yeah. This is a fun, scary movie. That, you know, that is fair. I didn't actually feel all that terribly scared by uh, the, by Mr. Kruger in this film, so uh, I'll give you that. And, and I think that also part of it too, and this is maybe just a, and I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I completely have the, I don't know if there's like a, a theory out there that goes over this, but my thought on it is when you get a movie that is of an old, like that's old enough, right? Yeah. You lose a certain 
thing about it, right? Because we've got movies of the time right now where they look completely different from movies of the 80s that looks different from movies of the 50s, the 40s, etc. Yeah. Some of them age better than others, uh, especially if they're set in like, you know, like Star Wars, right? It's set in space. Like, you're not yeah. going to get a good frame of reference for that in the real world. So it's it's different. Like, fantasy movies, generally speaking, are like, you know, uh, I guess Conan, the Barbarian, right? Or it, Willow. Yeah, or Willow, right? Um, movies like that. They age better because they are like a period piece or set outside of reality. When you yeah. get a movie like this that is set in what is ostensibly like, you know, any sort of any suburb anywhere, like... Yeah. Middle of, like, um, suburbs, suburb city USA, right? Exactly. I think that it has, like, when you, you have an older movie, that sort of, it dates the movie, and I think that that makes it slightly less scary because it's less real, right? Whereas you have a movie like, I'll, th I'll throw this one out there, Aliens. Mm -hmm. Or, al not Aliens, Alien. Alien, yes, there are dated effects in it, but because it's set in space, I think that it's actually much scarier and still terrifying, frankly. Uh, even, yeah. like, I guess even really Jurassic Park, but again, that's maybe a little bit different because, frankly, Jurassic Park special effects are probably still, to this day, some of the best in cinema. They, re they really are. Like, I still can look at that, uh, the, at that old CGI T-Rex and still think, no, I can't... Uh, the this, this thing's real. I'm looking yeah, that at that thing it. looks that thing looks as real as as it could be for you know being in a movie, which is I, odd because it's almost like the like I can't tell if it's because of how bad uh, maybe it's because of how bad the cameras were at that time or how not as good that, as they were, but there was something about it that just made all the special effects look like they were like. Like, some of them, like, don't look as good. Like, say, the Gallimima Stampede, necessarily. Like, you can kind of tell there's computers in there after looking at it again. Well, like, the first scene where Dr. Grant sees the the um, uh, Brontosaurus. Yeah? Like, do that, like, yeah, you believe that there's a Brontosaurus right in front of him. Like, 100%. Like, you might see a little line here and there where they, like, couldn't quite digitally touch up the, like, the green screen line out of it. But, like, other than that, the textures and everything looked real. It's but... Like I, I think I think that movies that are m less grounded in reality, and I say this right, less grounded in reality. We're talking about a, a movie where a serial killer comes back and tries to kill people in their dreams, right? Yeah. However, it is set in what is like the real world. There's no other odd stuff happening. It's not in a on a distant yeah, planet. It's not in it's not in a sort of like it's not set in a village in like fourteen oh eight, right? Like. Yeah, this is set in ostensibly modern times with, uh, the, like, what would be considered modern times at the time with the only really special conceit being there's a guy who can kill you in your dreams. Yeah, I, I don't... And that's the thing, like, with all these movies of that era, right? And I think that this is what hurts it the most in my mind is that I have seen other movies that are at least similar, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in, in a certain sense that and i guess even like the one where it's like chucky is the talking doll like that one felt because it, it's it's about a it's about a guy who transfers his soul into a talking doll that tries to come alive and do voodoo magic like that one's at least a wacky enough premise where it's like yeah this is buck wild enough that it had to happen in the 80s so i forgive it for that but even yeah. ch even child's play has this effect of like I don't know that it can scare me as much because it feels that there's just this divorce between it's it's trying to be real life, 
but it's not because it's so far in the past, but it's not different enough to be like scary and terrifying of the unknown. I don't know that there's a, a maybe, am I crazy? Like, is that a thing that people do? Because I feel like people say like, yeah, this movie is dated and, but it's still scary. I, I don't know that you can be super scary and be extremely dated just simply because if you're trying to do something like that, that is as real as possible and be like, all right, this is set in reality. This is set, you know, current day, right? Uh-huh. Like, oh, this is the 80s. The 80s is a made up time. <laughs> like, this isn't scary. This is just silly. And it looks, I am... some, some things look silly, right? Yeah. It, it... Like, again, like the Freddy, like the arms, the arms scene. Yeah. It looks silly, like the blow-up doll mother. Like, it looks silly. I, I'm trying to put a, I guess, a more fine point onto this theory that I have, that, like, these movies, these period movies that are meant to be kind of timeless horror stories actually end up, after a few number of years, like, not being as scary just simply because they look older. I mean, I don't know necessarily about that. At the same time, however, I will say that... Uh, I wasn't all that scared by it, though uh, as a person who has uh, not seen horror movies all that much and would be more prone to scares, say. Yeah. I, I would be interested though, to hear, like... I think that might be something based on your own neuroses, because I don't understand a word that you're saying. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I should bring it up with someone else, too, but... Yeah. Uh, and I probably will uh, Yeah, bring it up hear. with one of your more uh, horror-literate friends. Maybe they'll understand what you're saying better. M- maybe. Maybe. And, and maybe I'm just BSing completely, but I... I think that, like... Honestly, I would love to see the remake of this movie that came out in, like, 2010 or 12 or whenever it was. Because, realistically, it looks like... I mean... They, it looks like they do a fair amount of practical effects in that movie uh, from the trailers that I've seen. Now, some of it's not. Some of it is CGI, but like... I mean, in fairness, if you're going to do a uh, horror film about a guy who can kill you in your dreams, you might as well go a little bit buck wild, you know? Yeah, I, I kind of want to see that one to see, like, is that scarier or is it just like, I don't know. I, that uh, yeah i'm kind of interested in that too because i'm i'm frankly i am kind of jaded honestly about horror films in general because i've seen a lot of like extreme horror films where it's like it takes a lot to make me uncomfortable in a horror movie now that said like i i never really got scared by jump scares as much but like mm-hmm. i can appreciate a good jump scare right where it's like oh that one was good yeah i like there are very few jump scares that get me good right yes and and it's few and far between uh i think the scariest movie that i've seen with the jump scares that were the most effective was like wreck but and wreck one and two but then again i saw them in a empty dorm room high rise at three in the morning and that's ostensibly when the movie takes place anyhow yes basically that's how it takes place and there were like flickering lights half the lights were off and like dude it was scary as heck it hits you right at home It, it did hit you right at home i i don't know i I don't know. If there's anybody out there that can, I guess, maybe put a more, like, a finer point on the theory that I'm trying to put forward here, is that I think that's the biggest thing that hurt Nightmare on Elm Street, is that it was honestly dated enough that where it did ratchet up the tension, it did have great practical effects for the most part. There were a few that fell flat. Uh, It didn't have any, like, overly cheesy CGI or anything in it. Uh, It had a, you know, decent characters, uh, a decent plot. That was, you know, it was nothing to write home about, but it was like, 
it was good. Like there weren't that many plot holes in it, frankly, for being a a a movie where a man tries to murder you in your dreams. Like yeah. Although going back to the reality of the situation, do you actually know what Wes Craven based this movie on? I you know I do know what it was, but go ahead and tell me. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Wes Craven actually based this on a story of a young man who who got to. Uh, who survived the killing fields of Cambodia, a young Asian man. After he had come to the States at some point, he had a nightmare where a person was chasing him. According to the newspaper article that Mr. Craven read, he stayed up for about a week and then eventually fell to sleep. But then during the night, he started screaming and his family tried to get to him, but by the time they got to him, he was already dead. And this is actually... A thing that ha- that happens like there's a medical condition for this it's called sudden unexplained nocturnal death syndrome and it it affects like uh mostly asian men actually like the place where i heard about this first was from actually a guy talking about uh Lao- laotian people like the Hmong community who uh huh. ended up uh like a hundred people who had come over to the states died unexplained in their sleep and some of them basically, like, they basically scared themselves to death from, or stressed themselves out to death. And one of the people who actually, like, uh, survived this actually also had a story where, like, apparently he freaked out in the middle of the night. He was paralyzed in his sleep. He was, he had his eyes wide open. He couldn't move. But he saw, like, this uh, creepy, like, older lady looking figure come over and start smothering his chest. And he felt like he couldn't breathe. The so only it's re- kind of like somewhere between like, it's like almost like a very like weirdly culturally or racially specific sleep paralysis demon. Basically. That actually kills you. It It's true. The, that's, that's, that's crazy, dude. Yeah. And like uh, the, and like, I would like to thank a certain uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube uh, channel by the name of Bedtime Stories for, for bringing that up on their episode on the Dab Soak. Uh, I know we're actually running short on time here uh, yeah. for you, but do you have any final thoughts before we rate this? Um, I, I, I would say, you know, hey, what would we, what would we, uh, do you have any, first, very quickly, do we have any uh, thing that we would uh, double feature this movie with? I've got three, I've got three particulars. Okay. One, you pair it with the original, uh, you pair it with the original Halloween. Okay. For uh, the, like supernatural versus natural, like uh, serial killers. Okay, cool. I dig it. Second, you have a triple with Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees, where you have a Freddy versus Jason night. You play this, one of the uh, the one of the Friday the 13th movies where Jason is the actual killer. And then, and then Freddy, versus, Freddy, Freddy versus, Jason. versus Jason. Oh, cool. I like that triple feature. All right. And then, ah, uh, oh, fuck. I think I forgot what the third one was. Well, uh, the, never mind. It's just the two then. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know that I have anything that I would pair with this. Um, I do like the idea of pairing it with Child's Play. But otherwise, I don't have a lot of other things that I would uh pair this with in general i didn't really have anything but i like the idea of like oh yeah pair it with someone who's like ah this is this is a natural versus supernatural killer now uh i guess realistically michael myers is kind of supernatural so i don't know that that one works i have to see the movie we'll we'll see on halloween but he's meant to be kind of like is he natural is he supernatural but anyway i i do like that but i like the whole freddy versus jason thing uh, so I will go with that one too. So yeah. before, before we get out of here, what are we going to, uh, rate this film on a scale of zero to five snake Pliskins? 
4.5, sir. 4.5. Wow. Very, very good turnaround. You went from a 2.5 to a 4.5. Yeah, this movie sold me. It did. I, I think... I don't know that I can go all the way to 4.5, but just because, like, there wasn't a lot wrong with it, I think I have to go to... I think I gotta go to a... I'm gonna go to give it a 4.3. I can't quite give it a four, four, full 4.5. I don't know why. There's just, like... It, it's a little too dated to me. But... Yeah. Uh, 4.3 out of 5 ain't bad. So... Uh, I know you got to get out of here, so we'll yeah. talk to you later. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? Well, always remember where your crucifix is, people. We're in the spooky season. That is. It is the spooky season, so stay tuned for more spooky content this spooky season, and we will see you in the next spooky episode. Farewell. What's your favorite scary movie? They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? It's showtime! Welcome to Fright Night. What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while, see what happens. goes a little mad sometimes we all go a little mad sometimes we're going to meet death now <laughs> the living dead <laughs> i would rather take my chances as a supernaturally possessed doll it's less complicated whatever you do don't fall I am Dracula. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license. <laughs>